Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Classes in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The 2020 MLB season will be one like any other that we have seen before. A 60-game sprint in just over two months to decide who will be playing in October in a format that lends itself to the unpredictable. But that's where Greg Peterson comes in. He's got you covered daily, highlighting elements and angles that will be essential to know along with his picks with every single game on every single day. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. Hey, warm hello. Welcome to lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a terrific show for you as Jeff Sheesby, better known as the old man who bets, is going to be joining me in the second segment. We're going to have a quality conversation with him. We're going to be looking at the upcoming Braves versus Dodgers series out there in the NLCS. We were doing this podcast before we knew whether it would be the Rays or the Yankees that would be taking on the Astros, but just take a look at their come up and some of the things that we're looking at with regards to the National League Championship Series and the American League Championship Series, some of the big sets there. So, going to have that in the second segment. In the final segment, we do have a couple series prices up for the NLCS and the ALCS, so I'm going to be taking a little bit of a look at those. Obviously, we do have a little bit of uncertainty when it comes to the pitchers with some of these matchups, especially for the ALCS. Just going to do some initial thoughts when it comes to that, and I always love to be able to answer your Twitter questions on this podcast. If there is something that you'd like answered, fire it in my Twitter timeline at Jared's Cordy 1. If you send these via direct message, well, the letters him to me mean does not matter. Did not get in any today, but we had one matchup to be able to square away the championship series, a round of four out there in Major League Baseball. So let's take a look at that, and 
just see what we're able to expect from the Tampa Bay Rays and how they all got here. A games from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Rays take down the Yankees by a count of 2-1 to one at Petco Park as it was the Tampa Bay Rays doing so off of a pair of home runs. Austin Meadows in the fifth inning was able to get a home run off of Garrett Cole and then Mark Barrasso was able to get a home run off of Aroldis Chapman for the Yankees. Their lone run came off of an Aaron Judge home run as these two teams had three heads apiece. The Yankees had two errors. And for the Yankees, you really have to applaud Garrett Cole and the effort that he wound up putting through. I mean, he had the bases loaded in the first inning, but he got out of that. He gives up the sole home run. He winds up punching out nine and five in the third innings. Zach Britton, he winds up getting four outside the bullpen. Aroldis Chapman gives up that home run. And for the Tampa Bay Rays here, we're just flat out better. Tyler Glassnow, who wound up pitching in game two. He came in off a short rest pretty much as an opener. Plus, two and a third innings for him. Peter Fairbanks, two innings. You had Diego Casio give the team two innings. And then the lone run was a home run served up by Nick Anderson. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they wind up going 0 of 4 with runners in scoring position. But for the New York Yankees, hallmark of this team all year long had been offense. They only had one opportunity with runners in scoring position. And they wound up stranding them on base. So... Very interesting to see what the Tampa Bay Rays were able to do there. We're going to be talking a little bit more about them in the final segment, but now that we've got the ALCS and the NLCS squared away, I do think that it is good to be able to go out to the great city of New York. I'm sure glad that I talked to Chef Sheesby before the Yankees wound up losing, but we're going to get his thoughts on Dodgers versus Braves. We're also going to be getting his thoughts on the Astros in general, and just take a look at some of the things that we need to know going into the championship series in general. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Bang Podcast by some Craig Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Bang Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson, and it is great to be joined by our next guest as this man does a terrific job with a little bit of everything. He's in the Odd Shark Capper Contest for 2020. He does some work with CBS New York, 1.37 p.m. as well. This is a man that you're able to find all over the place. He is based out there in the great state of New York. And if you're looking on Twitter, he is based with the handle at Old Man Who Bets. As all together as it is, Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. the Old Man Who Bets, joining me on the podcast. And Jeff, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Greg, thanks so much for having me. It is certainly very happy days right now as we do have a set matchup for the NL Championship Series. That would be the Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves. I don't think that this is a surprise to too many people as... These were two teams that wound up winning their divisions. And certainly I think that right now the narrative is this is the World Series for the Dodgers to lose. Are you of a different narrative right now? Because when I just take a look at it, as we are doing this podcast, we don't know why it's coming out of that Rays versus Yankees game five. But I, I certainly do think that the Dodgers have to be the prohibitive favorite because you take a look at this team both offensively and defensively, I just think that they're the best team remaining in this postseason and just in baseball in general. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Greg. You know, you're obviously you see the Dodgers who end sweep, sweep. You've got the Braves two out, three out as well. You know, but when it boils down to it, you know, you look at run differential this year, you've got the Dodgers at plus 155, number one in the league. You've got Atlanta, sure, at number two, but that's a full 65 runs or more below it at plus 79. I don't know if my mental math was right there. So, you know, I think it comes more from obviously great bats on both, but I think the pitching on the Dodgers is going to be the X factor. I was looking into some, you know, percentage change stats earlier today looking at runs per game from regular season to postseason, 
And what we see with these two teams is that the Dodgers continued to mash. They're 3% higher in terms of run percentage. You look at the Braves on their side, they're scoring 17% less runs per game coming into the postseason. So not to say that their team can't hit, but they do strike out a lot. They're in the bottom echelon of strikeouts per game. And if there's ever a time to be getting cold with the bats or, you know, conversely, just not getting hotter, it's certainly not when you're coming against uh, the chainsaw that is the LA Dodgers. Yep, and with the Dodgers as well, top bullpen ERA in the National League during the regular season as well, so they've been doing a great job with that regard, and when I take a look at the Atlanta Braves, it certainly has been an interesting postseason for them. Four out of their five games, they have shut out their opponents. How much of this do you think is the greatness of the Atlanta Braves, and how much of it do you pin on the teams that they played against? Because I would probably go 75% the Atlanta Braves, 25% the teams that they played against, because When you shut out a team four out of five games, there has to be a little bit of luck involved. We certainly saw that in the 13-9 game against the Cincinnati Reds. The fact that they couldn't scratch across one run, I think we can both agree that's a little bit of an outlier. We saw with that game against the Miami Marlins a few days ago. Miami Marlins wind up getting the bases loaded early on in that game. They wind up stranding six men on base in the first three innings. And then from there, it was just pretty much curtains on the Miami Marlins. But you do have to give a lot of credit, in my opinion, to the Atlanta Braves. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that you've got so many guys like Darren O'Day, A.J. Minter, Mark Melanson and company that they're able to come out of the bullpen. And you've got a couple top line starters in Ian Anderson along with Max Fried. I agree. I would say it's a little less than 75-25, honestly. This is a Marlins team and a Reds team that, you know, not exactly hitting well. We look at the Marlins runs per game differential coming into, into the playoffs versus the regular season. They scored 45% less runs in the in the postseason than they did in the regular season. Is that because of the great pitching of the Braves? I mean, maybe, maybe not. But you look at this starting rotation, Ian Anderson absolutely has looked elite. You've got Max Fried. You know, he's been pretty solid, but his peripherals certainly leave a little bit to be desired. A 2.25 ERA in the regular season, but a 4.05 expected FIP. So that strikes me as a little room to regression. You know, any sort of errors, this is a Dodgers team that will will exploit those. You know, of course, you had the Reds in the opening series, a couple pitchers duels. It's not like this Red team was exactly tearing it up in runs per game this season. So again, I think they did get the benefit of the doubt. And they're going to need this starting rotation to, to be fantastic. You know, no room for error with Ian Anderson or Max Fried. And then you've got Kyle Wright, who's got nasty stuff, but control is sometimes an issue. Obviously, he looked very good against the Marlins. I, I believe it was yesterday, maybe the day before. But you look at some of these games and his, his walks per nine gets elevated. He gets pulled quickly. And we haven't seen that seven-game series yet. We're going to be playing a lot of back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back games. They're going to need uh, you know, a rotation that, that's going deeper into games to keep that bullpen fresh. And I think something that we saw all season this year with so many games, sometimes doubleheaders in a row – was, you know, the overs continued to just smash. And that was because of the depletion of bullpens. You know, you're bringing in guys that you would never see in a regular season because of necessity. So coming into the championship series here, I, I don't think they had any room for error. And when I'm looking at both of those lineups, I'm very concerned about this Braves lineup having one or two many mistakes per game, I think it could cost them the series. It certainly is one of these situations in which if the Braves want to be advancing to the World Series, they have to play darn near perfect as we don't have someone that's darn near perfect. The old man who bets. Okay, Jeff Sheathby joining me right here on the podcast. And I take a look at this Braves lineup as well. I do think that they have a chance to be able to get a couple runs up on the LA Dodgers. Now with the Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw has looked pretty stellar so far this postseason. He did wind up giving up those two home runs with the Padres. We all know the history of Clayton Kershaw. If he doesn't wind up winning the World Series this year, he'll be the first pitcher, I believe, in MLB history that has partaken in 10 seasons and not been able to get a World Series title. But you take a look at the Dodgers lineup. We saw Uli Orias in Game 3. 
He was sort of the folk guy for this team. He was able to do a good job. We all know about the bullpen, really, aside from Kenley Jansen. They have been elite, but when you take a look at Marcelo Zuna, Freddie Freeman, and Travis Arano, this is the only trio in baseball on the same lineup that all hit above a 315. You could actually make the argument, in my opinion, that Marcelo Zuna and Freddie Freeman should both be in the top three when it comes to NL MVP voting. How much of a factor do you think that plays into it? Because when I take a look at it, I still certainly think that the Dodgers should be able to win this series. But when you've got a middle of the lineup like that, anytime that these three guys are stepping up to the plate, you really can't count this Rave team out, especially if it's a deficit of, say, one or two runs because one swing of the bat, you could tie it up. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, they're one, two in the league in terms of runs per game for a reason, right? You know, Dodgers are averaging 5.83, Atlanta 5.72. The Yankees, my Yankees right there in the third slot. So again, they're great hitters, right? But when we look at that run differential, for them to be, you know, at plus 79 and the Dodgers to be plus 155, but their runs per game is between a tenth of a point, you know, there's an X factor there, right? Something, one thing of these things is not like the other. So both of these teams are going to mash behind the plate. But where is that weakness? That's coming from the pitching on the Braves. You know, of course, they'll get their runs, but so will the Dodgers. And when you got guys like Bueller, Kershaw, and May as your one, two, three, you know, against Freed Anderson and what Tomlin, maybe right as that third there. Uh, you know, I, I think there's a huge advantage to the Dodgers coming into the series. I don't know what the series lines out, but I would imagine that Vegas certainly reflects that. Oh, totally agree with you. As I'm seeing it right now, not really seeing any lines for game one or anything like that at the time of this podcast, but you got to think that Dodgers certainly going to be a pretty hefty favorite in this series. And whoever winds up facing off against the Astros is probably going to be a favorite as well. As of right now, we don't know whether that'll be the Rays or the Yankees, but I certainly have been impressed by this Astros team. They were a bunch that coming into the postseason, let's face it, they just weren't necessarily great on offense. Four runs or fewer in, I believe, 15 out of their last 19 regular season games. They wind up having a record amount of home runs, and the Oakland A's did in their ALDS series. That was just a complete and utter slugfest. What do you make out of this Astros team? Because when you take a look at the numbers, this is a pretty solid team, but I think the one thing that is being overlooked, and it's something that's not going to pop up on a stat sheet, it's not going to be popping up when it comes to power rankings, it's just the fact that this is a team that it seems like they're playing with a chip on their shoulder. It seems like they've taken an us-against-the-world mentality. I think that it's a big reason why they're still standing here in the postseason. Yeah, completely agree here, Greg. You know, this is an Astros team that, you know, they fight, they fight, and then they fight some more. You know, can't say I'm particularly fond of them, again, being a Yankees <laughs> fan, but you know, you put the controversy aside over the last couple of years and then think about how we were playing a 60 season game this year. You know, OK, they were you know only averaging 1.15 home runs per game this season in the postseason. They're averaging 2.1 per game. But we look at them last year. They were third in the league in terms of home runs per game at 1.77. So, you know, you get a 60 game sample size. You know, that's only a third of the season last year. So you start out a little slow and then all of a sudden, you know, we're into the playoffs. But they're getting hot at the right time. They're playing way more similarly than they were last year. So, you know, while this offensive barrage, perhaps, again, looking at this season only is a bit of a surprise, it was more of a surprise to me that their offense wasn't clicking at any time. So, you know, I see them playing great baseball. I think they're definitely a team to be feared, and I think they know that. I think they might be giving up a couple too many runs, honestly, to be hanging in. Will they score this many runs every game? You know, the A's, I don't think, actually had a particularly daunting lineup pitching, you know, between Lazardo as well as Manea. You know, both of those guys are beatable. I'm concerned about them going against either the Yankees or the Rays, honestly, who both have stellar starting lineups pitching 
hitting as well as really deep bullpens. I think it'll be very interesting to see if they're able to, to continue their hitting ways. I'm also certainly fascinated to see what all happens with the Astros, as we do have Jeff Sheesby, a.k.a. the old man who bets your enemy on the podcast. Got this in from someone who goes by Matt Butt at Home, one of my Twitter followers. He wound up sharing this with me because Jared Diamond wound up posting this on Twitter a couple days ago. In all playoff series ever since 2000, the team with the lowest K rate has won 63% of the time in these series. And I thought it was very interesting that the team with the fewest amount of strikeouts, the lowest strikeout percentage in the league during the 2020 season was the Houston Astros. I really do think that there is a little bit of something to this. I don't know what you put into with, I don't know what sort of stock you put into numbers like these, but I do think that there is a little bit more of a premium now than ever of just being able to put the ball in play. We've seen it here in the postseason. Some just bad base running blunders. Guys have just really booted the fundamentals. I do think that the nerves wind up getting to these guys. And if you're just able to put the ball in play, it certainly isn't going to find a hole every single time. But the more opportunities that you can get to put yourself on base, the better. I think that the Astros certainly have been beneficiaries of that. We certainly saw it in the series against the A's. Yeah, that's a great point there. You know, you look at strikeouts per game. You've got Houston with the lowest. You've got the Dodgers at four. You've got San Diego at six. You've got the Yankees at eight. You know, those are all teams that we're talking about still. Obviously, the Padres no longer, but that stat seems to hold some weight. Of course, you have outliers to everything. You look at the Tampa Bay Rays, they are last in the league in terms of strikeouts per game. The only team in the league to have over 10 per game. But, you know, this is a game that's changing, right? You know, teams are striking out more because they're swinging more. They're more reliant on the long ball. So when you get a guy like DJ LeMahieu, who's able to get on base left and right, you know, that kind of put a cog in the wheel. So I think it's interesting. You know, it's great that they're on base. You know, the uh, I think walk rate's also interesting. If we look at postseason versus regular season, again, percentage change. The two teams with the most walks change in the favor. The Yankees, 27% more walks in this postseason. Probably, I would say, a reflection of them being fully healthy with their big guns back in action. And then, of course, the Dodgers leading the league in terms of a percentage change for the positive in terms of walks per game. They're averaging 42% more walks per game in this small postseason so far. So strikeouts for sure, but getting on base, to your point, very, very important. Hitting that long ball, very, very important. And, you know, I, I'm just happy we got sports back. And, and so far, baseball has been incredible. Oh, I am right there with you. I mean, if we would wind up having baseball not taking place until it's a 21 no NCAA tournament, I have absolutely no idea what I'm going to be doing with myself. It will be a very much a hot mess in the Peterson household. That is to say the least, and I'm glad that you brought up walk rate as well. I don't know if there's maybe a metric that you look at that maybe you think is off the radar of more of the casual fan, a lot of people at bet, but one thing that I do take a look at is pitch counts, what the walks per nine innings is of so many of these pitchers, because I do think that giving some length is very important, and it is something that I put a big premium on. I think that if you're able to get a quality start out of some of these guys in both the ALCS and the NLCS, it's going to bode very well. I know that the rosters are a little bit more expanded. You're going to have a couple more bullpen pieces, but I still do think that there's a premium on a starter being able to give you five plus, not wearing down because they're just walking the world. I don't know if there's anything else that you're really looking at with regards to a set that is a little bit more of an indicator of success slash failure. But for me, the amount of pitches that a guy throws and their walks per nine innings is certainly something that I'm taking a look at. Yeah, you know, I think it's so interesting to look at the K per nine and the walks per nine and, and just kind of the, the correlation and relationship there. You know, you get a guy like Kyle Wright, perfect example. He's got some nasty stuff with some absolute nasty movement. 
And his strike rate's always pretty high, but his walk rate's even higher. It kind of comes to, you know, does the team have discipline at the plate? That's where your strikeouts per game really comes in when you're matching up with that guy with a, you know, the high, high walk rate. So it's one of those things that if they're swinging, you know, at all that junk, then his K rate will be high. But if they're not swinging and he's not absolutely lights out, you know, this is walk galore. He's getting pulled in the third inning. And especially with these games going back to back to back, you can't be tiring out your bullpen there. You need to be going five plus. You need to be getting quality starts. And against only the best hitters left in the league, that's a challenging thing to do. So I think the walk rate is, is 100% a great metrics to be honing into. Try to determine, you know, how long is this guy going to go in the game? When are they going to pull him? Things along those lines. And something else that is very great, all the work that you do, Jeff, I always enjoy seeing whenever you tweet pop up on my timeline because you do an absolutely terrific job of handicapping a wide variety of things, just being polite to people in general, and you do a great job of just a little bit of everything. So let the good people at home know what you're all working on right now and how they're able to follow along on social media. Yeah, Greg. Well, thanks again for having me. As always, always a wonderful chat. You can get me at oldmanwhobets.com. You can get me at oldmanwhobets on Twitter. Got some CBS football segments coming on. We haven't found the holy grail there yet. We're hovering around 500, but it's only week five. You know, that's the equivalent of the fifth game of the season, <laughs> if you think about it, obviously. We've got a lot of season left. So you know what it is, Greg. It's always a great day for a great day. Trying to bring positivity, trying to cash some bets, trying to drink some good beers and you know, overall, just prioritize happiness over everything. Yes, sir. I can subscribe to all those, especially the great beers part, being a man that is from Wisconsin and Jeff, an absolutely terrific gentleman that does a great job of treating his followers and what have you very well. So big thanks to Jeff Cheesby for joining me right here on the Baseball Bang Podcast. Coming up next is that time of the podcast. I take a little bit of a look at the NLCS and the ALCS. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. A big thanks to our good buddy, Jeff Sheesby, better known as the old man who bets for joining me in the last segment. Always good to get him on the podcast. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you guys just a little bit of a look as to what we are all going to be seeing out there in the NLCS and the ALCS. Now keep in mind that... These series are staggered just a little bit because the ALCS is going to be starting up on Sunday, October 11th, and then on Monday we wind up getting the NLCS, so an extra day of rest for both the Dodgers and the Atlanta Braves, two teams that wound up leading the way when it comes to the National League with regards to their bullpen. You actually do have a lineup for Game 1 if you want to wind up taking it for the Game 1 of Atlanta Braves versus LA Dodgers, as we're seeing it right now. You got a total of between 8 and 8.5 with the 8 in the overs, just a minus one. 20, the under is even with the 8.5. Under is minus 120 with that juice. The over is even and you're finding the Dodgers anywhere between minus 144 and minus 150. Actually open at minus 160. Meanwhile, the Braves finding themselves anywhere between plus 130 and plus 136, but certainly not a game that I'm going to give you a play on just yet because you got to figure that Max Fried is going to be going game one. I mean, I don't think that that's a very well-kept secret. For the Dodgers, it could go a variety of different ways. They wound up pitching Walker Buehler in game one in their series against the Padres. This would be normal rest for Clayton Kershaw if he does wind up going in for Clayton Kershaw. We do know that he wound up giving up a pair of home runs against the Padres. We all know that he's had his postseason scuffles. What I really want to see from the Dodgers is, do they wind up keeping Kenley Jansen in that closer role? Because you've had Brasuda Gratterall be able to step up for the team. Joe Kelly during the regular season, I believe, had an ER that was sub two. Blake Trine has been a little bit shaky. 386 ERA during the regular season. He wound up pitching well in that series against the Padres though so he's someone that you're going to be able to look to. And then when you take a look at the Atlanta Braves, I do think that they're going to be able to probably play some of these games to the under because 
with the Braves. I don't think that they're going to be able to shut out the Dodgers the way that they were their first two opponents. I mean, four shots of five games. That's absolutely remarkable. But when you take a look at this bullpen, you have to give it a whole bunch of credit. You take a look at what these guys were able to do during the regular season, and it really does line up to what we've seen in the postseason when it comes to the bullpen and the bullpen alone. And for Max Fried, he did wind up giving up four runs in his last start against the Miami Marlins, but he had given up three or fewer in every one of his starts during the regular season. I still do think there might be a little bit of regression coming in for Ian Anderson. This is someone that had never pitched in the the major leagues prior to this year, so he's a guy that I am looking out for a little bit, but just when you take a look at this bullpen for the Atlanta Braves, now I know that Jacob Webb only made eight appearances, but he didn't give up a single run during the regular season. A.J. Minter had a 0.83 ERA. You wound up having Chris Martin and Darren O'Day at between a 1 and a 1.10 ERA. I mean, these are the guys that you're looking to time and time again. Even someone like a Grant Dayton wound up posting a 2.30 ERA. I mean, these are all the guys that you're able to look to. Their main closer was Mark Melanson, someone that does an absolutely terrific job of being able to draw soft contact. Only right around five and a half punch outs per nine innings, but he kept his ERA below three. You've got a whole lot of that. But when you take a look at this series, as I'm taking a look at the prices right now, the Atlanta Braves are in the neighborhood between a plus 185 and plus $2 when it comes to the series price. The Dodgers are anywhere between minus 200 is the absolute lowest that I'm seeing, and the highest I'm seeing is more around minus 250. Keep in mind, I'm not going to be touching either of these series prices. I like to be able to go game by game, so I will throw out there that disclaimer right now, but I just think that the Braves are going to have the back half of the starters catch up with them. I certainly did like what I saw out of Kyle Wright in Game 3, the fact that he was able to get out of that bases loaded jam in the third inning, but if he winds up loading up the bases against the LA Dodgers, I think that he's going to be suffering a little bit of a less fortunate fate, and then who would go in Game 4 for the Atlanta Braves is a big question, because you wind up having that trio of starters, and then would you have to go to someone like a Josh Tomlin? I mean, he's a guy that wanted to make a couple starts for this team. I wouldn't think so, but you've got someone like Oscar Yanoa. You would have to go with a bullpen game for this team, and you got to figure that the bullpen is certainly going to be in use quite a bit as well, because with Max Fried, for as solid as he is, this is typically not a guy that's going to necessarily go too long. You want him going seven innings in his start against the Cincinnati Reds, but this is typically about a five or six inning guy, so I do think that as the series wears further and further, it is going to play into the advantage of the Dodgers. Now we know with both of these lineups are absolutely superb with the Atlanta Braves, Ozzy Albies wound up heating up towards the end of the regular season. He's been a little bit up and down during the postseason, but you certainly have faith in him. We all know that Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to be jacked up after what we saw in that series against the Miami Marlins. And then you've got a trio of guys hitting a 315 or greater during the regular season in Marcel Zuna, Freddie Freeman, Travis No, In my opinion, you got to have Freeman and Marcel Zuna both in the top three when it comes to the NL MVP voting. I know there are some people that say that Marcel Zuna deserves the MVP. I'd personally go with Freddie Freeman a little bit more just because he does a little bit more out there in the field, but in my opinion, you really can go either way with either of those guys. They're both absolutely superb. And then you've even got someone like a Mr. Duvall who wound up giving the team two, three home run games. You've been able to notice Austin Riley be able to get some at-bats. He's been a little bit hot and cold, but when he's more of an ancillary producer along to Ainsley Swanson, that's dangerous. And then we all know about Mookie Betts, what he's able to do. You had A.J. Pollock during the regular season giving this team right around 16 home runs. He hit a 275. Will Smith had an on-base percentage of a 400. He really looks like the future at the catcher spot for the L.A. Dodgers. And we even saw it in that game against the Padres. 
in which allowed them to be able to make it here in game three. They wind up putting up 12 runs without even having a single home run. They leave 13 men on base, but they just kept on giving themselves opportunities. This is one of the best teams at being able to draw walks out there in baseball. I mean, Max Muncy wound up hitting below the Mendoza line during the regular season. He had a 273 in that series. He wound up being able to give the team three opportunities. He had two runs. He goes 0 for 3 at the plate, but because of his plate discipline, draws three walks. That's what I really look for with the LA Dodgers. So I certainly do think that they should be able to take this series, but I certainly don't think that it's going to be a sweep by any means just because the Braves certainly have all those guns out there in the bullpen. And then we take a look at Rays versus Astros. When you are taking a look at the series price as of right now, I'm seeing the Rays between a minus 155. The lowest of that is at Circa, and as high as minus 170. As I see it right now, the Astros are more in the neighborhood between plus 135 and plus 145. And actually, it looks like a little bit of money is coming in on the Astros. With the Astros, I do think that you need to factor in a little bit of the human element. You can tell that this is a team that they have been keeping note of all the people that have been angry with them with the sign stealing, the trash cans, and they have come alive. George Springer during the regular season was the team's best power hitter. He wound up hitting 14 home runs during the regular season. He's been able to take hold during the postseason. Jose Altuve was just ice cold during the regular season. We all know that he was a little bit banged up. Well, it looks like he's healthy. He wound up hitting a 400 during that series. And how about this? These guys all hit at minimum a 368 in their series against the A's. Mr. Springer, Mr. Altuve, Michael Brantley, who wound up having two home runs in that closeout game four, Alex Bregman, along with Kyle Tucker, Carlos Correa, all those guys were able to come through. And for Carlos Correa, five home runs so far this postseason. He had five all of the regular season. You got to feel like this is a sleeping giant that has been awoken. I believe that the Astros had scored four runs or fewer in something like 15 of their last 18 games of the regular season. Alex Bregman is a guy that he typically needs about a half a year to be able to get going. He typically closes out strong. Now, as we're seeing it for the Astros, this is what, game number 67, 68 for them. So this is right where he starts to peak. You had a bunch of injuries on this team. Even Martin Maldonado wound up having a nice on-base percentage for the Astros during in the regular season. Now in the postseason, he hasn't done a lot. He only hit at 215, but this is a man that does a good job of being able to find a way on base. You know that you're going to get some good fielding with this team, but then when you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays, you got to think that they've got a massive bullpen advantage. I mean, someone like an Andre Scrub, Enoli Paredes, even Brooks Raley, these guys have been solid for the Houston Astros, but I feel like they've pitched a little bit above their heads pretty much all year long when it comes to the bullpen. If there is something that I do think is going to take a nosedive for this team, it is that back half of the bullpen. I mean, you've right now got Luis Garcia, who might wind up seeing some innings. Josh James has really never been anything special. He had a 7.27 ERA during the regular season. He got roughed up in his one appearance in the postseason against the Oakland A's. That is something that I think is going to be taken advantage of. And then when you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays as well, this is a team that they just are functional. I mean, you wind up having a big hit from this team off of Mark Brasso to be able to get them to this spot. A little bit of an unsung hero there, but he wound up hitting right around a 300 during the regular season. They're working Yandy Diaz back because he wound up not seeing a lot of playing time during the regular season. Only at a buck 11 in that series against the New York Yankees, but you do have to like the fact that they're finally getting something out of the catcher spot. That was a big kryptonite for the Tampa Bay Rays during the regular season if they wound up having one. Mike Zanino, Michael Perez, they came up with some big hits in the series against the Yankees to be able to survive in advance. If you're able to get Austin Meadows going, someone who we were looking at as being one of the top hitters in the American League during the 2019 season. During the 2020 season, it certainly has been different. He's been hampered by injuries. Only a 205 batting average. He had that battle with COVID. He just seemed to never really get over it. But even someone like a Joey Wendell is able to get on base. G-Man Choi has stepped up to the plate for this team. And then you've got Randy Rosarena, who has been able to really take hold in this postseason. I believe that he has five 
postseason home runs. He had seven during the regular season. A little bit of a cast off with the St. Louis Cardinals, so that is going to be something fascinating, and I'm just very curious to see how the pitching matchup of this Rays bullpen is going to be able to match up with the Houston Astros. With the Astros, you've got a bunch of starters that are very similar, because with Lance McCullers, Zach Granke, they've had their struggles, but when they're on, you know what you're able to get out of them. you got to like Jose Urquidy. He wound up giving up a couple home runs to the Oakland A's, but let's face it, everyone in that series was giving up home runs. I think that there were a lot lot of factors involved with that, so we are going to sort of take a little bit of that with a grain of salt to chalk it up as a little bit of an outlier. I think that you can expect a little bit of something in the middle when it comes to the Astros offense. I don't expect them to hit the way that they did against the Oakland A's, but at the same time, I don't think that they're going to be as bad as they were during the regular season, and they're going to be going up against some of the best pitchers that you're going to find. Blake Snell, a 2018 Cy Young Award winner. Tyler Glassell winds up coming in off short rest. He was able to do a solid job for the team. you got to think that Glassell probably going to be pitching in something like Game 3 for this team. Blake Snell, I've got to think is going to be the game one star. You probably throw in there Charlie Morton in game two, but Aaron Slager's capable of giving this team multiple innings out of the bullpen. He was able to do so in, I believe it was game four against the Yankees. He's very solid. He's wound up giving the team like two and a third, three innings out of the bullpen. John Curtis has been good for this team. Diego Castillo was able to close out those final two innings, and then I think that Peter Fairbanks might be one of the most underrated bullpen pieces that you can find out there in baseball because during the regular season, 39 strikeouts to 26 and two-thirds innings. Now, the 14 walks are a little bit unsightly, but this is someone that I think is going to be very critical to the Rays' success in being able to close out some of these games. And if you're taking a look at game one right now, obviously, we're a little bit left out in the cold, but we have one initial number for this game. That is at Bookmaker. Rays at minus 190. Astros at plus 170. Assuming that Blake Snell goes for the Tampa Bay Rays and the Astros, probably go with someone like Lance colors. I do think that there might be some value here with the Houston Astros. Obviously, this is being played out there in the state of California for Dodgers versus Braves. That is going to be played out there at Globe Life Park, and I believe that there's going to be fans in attendance, so that is going to be very fascinating. You got to think that both of those fan bases are going to be very well represented. I don't think that there's going to be any for the ALCS just given the California guidelines, but taking a look at this, my initial thoughts there, I will obviously have a little bit more on the podcast tomorrow, especially when it comes to the Houston Astros versus Tampa Bay Rays game, just because we, as of right now, are waiting a little bit with regards to starting pitchers, but hopefully this was a good little roundup to get you guys all psyched up for that, as it is a great time to be a baseball fan, and a man that absolutely loves the sport of baseball, Jeff Sheesby, aka the old man who bets. So, thank you to him for joining me in the second segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, and that would be the Baseball Bank Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to find it wherever you download your podcast, Apple Podcast. Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And if you ever have a question for the podcast, one of two ways to be able to fire it in. My Twitter timeline at Jairus41, or you can leave an Apple Podcast review by rating this podcast five stars. You're able to help give this podcast a little bit more exposure, help listeners that might be a little bit unfamiliar with it, be able to get acquainted with it. So I always do appreciate that. And from there, you're able to send in your question, comment, concern, beef, what have you. So always appreciate you guys listening in every single day. And I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Hopefully you're all safe, healthy, and doing well. Thank you so much for tuning in. 